I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 146, what's the best way to help a kid with ADHD? You know, I always get my Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. I'm impressed, Rena. It, I would get it probably the week before Thanksgiving because I think Christmas should be a two-month-long celebration. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a thing we always do in our household. But um, we were in Texas visiting my brother in Austin, um, and so we weren't able to do it uh, as soon as I would like. But I, I'm one of those believers that Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm not. I, we take a beat. And then we go get our tree. But I do love, I do love this time of year. It's a ton of work and it's also really lovely. Mm. I remember when my kids were little though, you know, we were talking recently about sharing on social media. I put up a post that felt so deeply how I felt. I took it of my Christmas tree and I, I wrote, Christmas with little children is so fun. I just wish they would stop touching everything. <laughs> That is spot on. That's how I felt. <laughs> that is a spot on social media. I don't know if post. I should have shared that or not, but I did. <laughs> oh, if we went back and looked at every single post we did, it would just be a nightmare. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing we want to touch on is ADHD. I know a lot of parents are struggling with that with their children, and I don't know much about it. So I we thought this would make a great episode. I want to read you the letter that we got. It says, Dear Dr. Lisa, I really enjoyed listening to your podcast concerning helping a disorganized teen. It hit home for me as I have a 17-year-old son who is highly disorganized, struggles with executive functioning, is very messy and very bright. Would you offer any advice for kids who suffer from those traits and may also have ADHD? I'm so grateful for you and have all your guidance from your books, articles, and podcasts that have been given to me over the years. Thank you very much. Well, first off, okay, what do people need to know about ADHD that they might not know? There's a lot, Rena, actually. It's one of those diagnoses that's been around for a while. You hear about it a lot. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. So, you know, let's just even start with ADHD versus executive functioning problems, right? Because this this letter writer is asking, like, you know, my son definitely has executive functioning issues. He may also have ADHD. Okay, well, how are these different? Mm-hmm. So one way we can think about it is that People who have executive functioning problems may or may not have ADHD. There, you know, you could have a perfectly strong capacity for attention and still struggle to, you know, with executive functioning. Almost anyone with ADHD is going to have executive functioning problems. Really? So that's a way to sort of tease those apart a bit, right? That they're not the same, but there's heavy overlap, especially for kids who you know have ADHD. Mm. What would you say then is the difference between? struggling with executive functioning and having ADHD. So what's interesting in the letter, the parent says like may have ADHD. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that. I just assumed they did. Okay. Okay. So part of what needs to happen here is to figure out if the kid has ADHD, like if that's really at play here. So let me back up. 
How do you know if your kid has ADHD? Are there like signs that are just clear warnings? Well, you can strongly suspect it when you see problems with attention, right? That's the A. Or hyperactivity issues. That's the H. So it's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Now, you don't always see both of those. Sometimes you see more attentional problems. Sometimes you see more hyperactivity problems. But if you feel like your kid doesn't listen, they lose their stuff all the time, you know, they can't do a three-step thing, or they can't sit still, or they're as wiggly as can possibly be, or they fidget nonstop, parents sometimes start to think like, okay, this, this doesn't feel just like the other kids I see around us. My kid feels higher on these traits. Or the school may say something, right? It's not at all unusual for this to come into a family's life by a teacher saying, have you ever thought about or considered an evaluation? For ADHD. Okay. So um, with when you're talking about this mom, if they do diagnose that they've got ADHD, what's your best approach at that point? Well, so let's actually hover for a minute on the question of like, how do you even diagnose this, right? Yeah. So yeah. the parent might be like, I don't know, this, this feels like this is hard for my kid in a way and hard for me in a way that doesn't feel... Um, you know, in line maybe with other kids I've raised or, you know, things like that, or the school may bring it up. So what I think doesn't happen nearly enough is a very, very careful diagnostic process. So when you ask, like, what do people need to know about ADHD? Like, you want to diagnose this really, really carefully. And I would say probably one of the number one things for people to know about ADHD is that it's easy to confuse with depression. Wow. It's easy to confuse with anxiety, right? If a kid is depressed or anxious, they are going to struggle to focus. They are, you know, going to lose their things. I mean, there's you're going to see a lot of, um, not necessarily maybe losing things, but you're going to see a lot of overlap in what we would say is the symptomatology where they can't really focus or they, um, you know, are struggling with motivation. That can be something that is true for kids with ADHD. Really? They kind of can't follow through on things. Mm. Well, if you're depressed, you can't follow through on things. If you're anxious, you may run into interferences with getting things done. So honestly, Rena, like I would say the big, big thing I would want people to know is we want to really be careful in coming to this conclusion. And I'll tell you, like, this is so obvious, um, but so essential and basic in how we think about these things. If you don't get the right diagnosis, you're not going to do the right treatment. And wow. if you don't do the right treatment, the kid's not going to get better. Mm. So, you know, that's one of the things that like was really, you know, hammered into me as a clinician is like spend time on diagnosis. Like don't just, you know, shoot in the dark on these things. Like really take time to do it. Mm. Really take time to do it. I think a lot of times when we talk about ADHD, I don't hear much about the diagnosis process. So tell me, what does that look like when you're trying to diagnose a child, whether they have ADHD or not? Okay. So I'm going to give you the like ideal circumstance, like, you know, optimal world version of this, um, which is expensive and time consuming and not easily accessible to everybody. And then I'm going to give you what often happens or what can kind of happen, you know, as, as the alternatives. So in the dream scenario, right, like boundless resources and time and access to those resources, right, so not everyone, very few families are probably going to enjoy this, I would have kids get a psychological evaluation that involves a testing done by a psychologist who specializes in academic or educational testing. There's also neuropsychologists who specialize in this. It's a 
time-consuming battery. It involves an IQ test. It involves academic measures. It involves attentional measures. Um, depending on what's going on for that kid, they may throw in additional measures. Also in this deluxe package of doing a really good diagnostic evaluation, there would be rating forms that went home to the family where they rate their kids on measures of attention and hyperactivity and symptoms related to ADHD. They would go to the teachers who also do the ratings. And then if the kid is old enough that the kid themselves would rate. So we have these forms that we can use. And so all of that would be brought together and then assessed by someone who does this like all day long, right? Is assessing kids like this all day long and can look at all of those pieces and parts, tease out depression, tease out anxiety, tease out, you know, any variety of other concerns, and then home in and say, yes, you know, the, the all signs point to ADHD is the main explanation. So that's the deluxe version. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> what often happens? Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, I, because I like, Life happens. Reality happens. Like what I just described, like not a lot of people are going to have that kind of access time or frankly money to Mm -hmm. to cover those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Is pediatricians are often, you know, trying to manage this is because we are asking them to do so much frontline work on these things. They may have families fill out rating forms. They may, you know, have teachers fill out rating forms. Um, Here's the pros and cons of the rating forms. What's great about the rating forms is that they are normed, meaning that we have used these same rating forms to assess like literally thousands and thousands and thousands of kids of every single age and, you know, gender. And so we ask, you know, parents fill out this form about like how your kid acts at home. And the parent may be like, oh my God, my kid is totally off the wall and definitely has ADHD. And we're like, actually, when you hold your numbers up against thousands of 14-year-old girls, She's right smack dab in the middle, right? Or wow. so the the rating forms are very valuable in that they help norm things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Technically, we don't use them to make a diagnosis. Like it, it's really not seen as like kosher to be like, okay, your kid's like high score on the rating form, your kid has ADHD. So how do you get that diagnosis, yes or no? So ideally with the deluxe version, I think it often happens that pediatrician schools, you know, are sort of working with rating forms, working with what they're observing, right? That they, you know, the nice thing is teachers see a lot of kids. Like they they do have a very strong sense of their own internal norms for like fifth graders should be able to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, your kid is off the charts on this. Um, so it is sometimes the case that a pediatrician will make the call and be like, you know what? Enough signs are pointing in this direction. And I would like to refer you for a psychoeducational evaluation that is either never going to happen or you don't have the resources or it's not going to happen in a timely enough way. So in truth, Rena, right, the the call sometimes gets made. And and I'm saying this with no judgment. Like sometimes a call gets made, you know, without having met the threshold of my ideal, you know, dreamy diagnostic um, Mm -hmm. level of evaluation. Mm. I want to pause and take a quick break, Lisa, but when I come back, I want to ask you about meds and ADHD. There's so much disinformation around there. I want to ask you, does it open the door to other drugs if you put your child on ADHD meds at an early age? We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Did you know that most bedding is made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? Luckily, one company is changing this standard for good. Bullen Branch Sheets, which you know I love, uses the rarest 100% organic cotton that's traceable from family farm 
to your family home. I have had my Bolin Branch sheets for a while now, and I love them. They feel like butter. In fact, I am so used to them now that when I travel, as I often do for work, I take my Bolin Branch pillowcase with me and I put it on the pillow in the hotel room so I can enjoy that softness, at least on my face, even when I'm not sleeping in my own bed. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code ASKLISA at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ASKLISA. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I got the most amazing pair of bootcut black work pants that have been a game changer, all thanks to my stylist at Stitch Fix. The stylists understand your style, your size, your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It took a couple of tries for the stylist and I to really see eye to eye, and once they did, it's such a game changer. I asked for a pair of black pants that make my legs look good, and also would look good with a blouse or a nice top. They really nailed it. And then they found another cardigan for me that really works. I also love that they show you different styles of how you can put these outfits together. I love that it feels like she can read my mind now and we've got a rhythm to where all I do is say I need this type of wardrobe piece and she sends it to me and it fits and it works. Styles that make you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash asklisa. That's stitchfix.com slash asklisa. Stitchfix.com slash asklisa. I love doing laundry now because of EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze are these eco sheets that look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless, so you don't have that drippy goo from plastic jugs. EarthBreeze is really tough on stains, even odors. And if you've got teens, you know about those odors. Dermatologists tested, hypoallergenic, and also free of bleach, dyes, and parabens. Fragrance-free option is also there for anyone who wants it. So what EarthBreeze did was they got rid of the unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, and that includes babies. And I love that I just order online and the shipment comes right to my door when I need it. So right now, our listeners at Ask Lisa can receive 40% off of EarthBreeze. That's right, 40% off just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash Ask Lisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and get your 40% off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com slash Ask Lisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking about ADHD. How do you get diagnosed? What happens in the process? And Lisa, I want to ask you a little bit about ADHD medication because I know people of my generation, Generation X, I, I know a lot of um, men in particular who were put on ADHD meds, and there's a whole uh, whole thing on that at an early age. But I, I'm just curious, if you go and you put your child on ADHD meds, does it in any way open the door to them wanting to try other drugs? So we've studied this. And, and I will say, it's helpful when something is relatively common in the culture, right? ADHD diagnosis is pretty common. And medication as a treatment is pretty common because what's helpful is it lets us actually assess, okay, so then what are the outcomes? Like we can look at these in large numbers. We're not just guessing, like, you know, could a bad thing happen? And I will tell you, Rena, the research on this point is actually quite reassuring. And what it shows is that when ADHD is properly treated in kids and teens, 
And I'm just going to put a pin in this, which may or may not involve meds. We'll come back to proper treatment that may or may not involve meds. But when ADHD is properly treated, it actually reduces the risk of substance use in teenagers. It sounds counter. They're functioning better. Well, that's but that's the hope, is that right? That they're functioning better. Mm. They're in less distress because the thing about ADHD, like, you know, I you know, I like live for like the technical, like, here's how we diagnose mm-hmm. and here's, you know, whatever. It stinks for the kid, yeah. right? I mean, there's a lot of things you can say about ADHD. And I'm gonna say something that is like surprisingly accurate across most kids, but again, not every kid. Kids with ADHD tend to ride behind academically and socially, like somewhere between 10 and 30% you know, of their peers. So if you have ADHD and it's untreated, this is not mm-hmm. fun for you. You mm-hmm. are in school all day, every day. You know that you are missing things. You are seeing often the academic impact. You are hanging out with kids all day, every day. You are also there missing things, or you're hyperactive in a way that actually starts to be frustrating to your peers. And so you're starting to get, you know, into more social difficulty. So ADHD, beyond being taxing for teachers, taxing for parents, right, which it is, what really matters is it's really hard to be a kid whose neurological hand they were dealt is not particularly well designed for what we ask kids to do in a day, right? Like, and, and you know, in other settings, kids who have this diagnosis would thrive all day long. But if you put them in a conventional school, right? right. It's, it's a very long different. day. Yes. So if we reduce distress by getting their ADHD properly treated, I think the theory is, and I, I this seems to me very, very likely, you know, well, kids who are in less distress are less likely to go seeking substances as a way to feel better. Well, that makes me feel better to hear you say that, that and that doesn't open the door. But I do want to ask you, let's say someone does have ADHD. If the meds work for your child on ADHD, does that 100% mean, of course, they have ADHD? See, the meds are working. Okay. So there's two questions here Like, I want to really unpack because like, the meds question around ADHD is so loaded. And I really, I have sat with families where they're like, I do not want to give my kid a pill. Absolutely. Right? I think I would feel or, that way. Yeah. I get it. I think absolutely. Like, it's really scary to think about giving your kid a medication that's going to alter who they are right, yes. or how they function in the world. Like, I do not minimize that for a minute. So the thing I want to say first and foremost is right now, meds and educational interventions, and we can come back to that, are considered the standard of care for ADHD. And what I mean by that, and I I hope people find reassurance in this, as clinical communities, we come to agreement about what is the standard of care for any given concern. And this is true in the medical world too, right? If you show up at the ER with a heart attack, it's not like you're like, I don't know, what do you want to do today, right? I mean, like (laughs) they have the systems, they have the agreed upon like, when somebody comes in with these symptoms, we all agree, like we across the whole medical universe agree, this is what you do. Okay, we have the same in psychology, right? So if a kid gets a great diagnosis of ADHD, like a well-done diagnosis of ADHD, the standard of care, like what we have studied and come to agreement on is medication plus educational interventions. Now, that doesn't mean that's what every kid should have. But for parents who are like, ah, yikes, that makes me super anxious, which I think would be most parents, I just want you to know, we're not flying by the seat of our pants on this. We're not making it up as we go. We're not experimenting on your kid. I mean, like we've really thought this through. Okay. So 
we'll come back to the question of like, what if it's a no-go on the meds? Like, what if you want to try something else? But one thing that people ask, and it's it's like exactly what you just asked, it's such an important question is, well, what if I think my kid has ADHD and we just put them on meds and they get better? Is that how we can make the diagnosis, right? <laughs> like if if they if they improve because of meds and we skip the whole like complex diagnostic process, like does that check the box? Okay, Rena, here's the deal. Anyone's attention and focus is improved by ADHD meds. Like if you or I took Adderall today, we would have a highly productive day. Like we wow. would get it done. Wow. So we don't expect that as a way to make the call on whether or not a kid has ADHD because anybody's going to have their intention and focus improved by that. Hmm. Wow. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, Lisa, when you're looking at this, um, and I have to say like the, the Indian parent in me where, you know, I come from Ayurveda, these natural holistic mm-hmm. treatments, right? I, there's a part of me, like you were talking about the heart attack. If someone has a heart attack, like, you go in and you do things to get it done and you are probably maybe on medication possibly, right? But ADHD, and and I just feel like, you know, could I give him a little bit more watermelon or some sort of, he's just deficient in some sort of mineral that I can, you know, give him a solid, heartier um, meals that might help. I mean, are there alternatives to medicine that are proven to work for ADHD? I don't think there are widely embraced on the academic and clinical side, non-traditional interventions beyond things like enough sleep is going to make a huge difference. I mean, like in terms of just biological intervention, sleep, of course, is always critical. And the reality is, Rena, at this point, we have a lot of ADHD medications, stimulants is what they're called. Um, By and large, that's the main class. And um, we've studied them for a long time. But if a family's like, I don't want to go there, like that just doesn't feel right. You know, I mentioned that the standard of care is both meds and educational interventions. The other thing that has to happen with or without the meds is really supporting essentially executive functioning, right? Back to executive functioning. So if your kid has ADHD with or without meds, they should have really good routines that help them focus. They should be doing their homework in a place that is predictable and also not that cluttered, right? Like they can't have too many other things that could possibly draw their attention. They're going to need help with motivation probably. They may need someone who sits nearby or they may need timers to keep them going and then rewards at the end of a period of work. They're going to need to get a planner and they're going to need to use it and then they're going to need someone to check in on whether or not they're using it. They're going to need checklists for their stuff and whether or not they have all the stuff they're supposed to have. They're also going to need to not have things with them that they're not supposed to have. Like if they have homework, they should only have in front of them exactly what they need for that particular project and nothing else. So all of these things have to happen too. So what I would say to a family that's like, I don't know about meds, minimally, like then go all in on all this other stuff and see if that makes enough of a difference. Mm. Wow. I guess we're always looking for alternatives to medicine. And I know there are a lot of parents out there that struggle with making that decision, but know that the meds can be a game changer. They can. And actually, Renee, there's something else about these meds that's pretty unique and something I want folks to know, which is they're extremely short acting. What does that mean? So 
they are in and out of a kid's system depending on their prescription. Like within 12 hours, I think at the outer limit, but like four to eight, I think is pretty typical. Wow. I didn't and know that. So, yeah, no, it's a pretty unusual thing. And, you know, if you think about like treating someone for depression, if we're going to use meds for that, those meds take two to three weeks to titrate up to a level that can have an impact. And then you have to be on them for a few weeks at least to see if they're really working. And then if they're not, like ideally, then you're titrated off of those and titrated up on something else. Whereas if a parent is highly hesitant about meds, it's not unusual for a clinician, and I've certainly done this in my clinical practice, to say, you know, you can try this for a week. You can try this for a day. You give the kid the med, you see the impact. It's in and out of their system very, very quickly. And so your reservations, you know, if you have reservations, like it's not like you've committed to anything that you can't mm -hmm. basically kind of run through their system and then it's gone. Mm. Boy, I learned so much from you today about ADHD, but just standing back before we go into parenting to go, what what's the wide view you want the community at large to know about ADHD? I think the wide view is if you can be cautious and systematic in the diagnosis and and you know that may involve um, resources in your community that may involve you know talking to your insurance company I mean I really want people to do this well because when we have a good clear diagnosis the quality of the treatment goes up and then of course what really really matters is the improvement for the child goes up. That when mm. we can treat well, we can help kids. And that's the whole point is that we want to help kids. And when we're kind of messy about this process or um, shooting in the dark on this process, the kid doesn't tend to get the results they deserve. Yeah. No. Um, boy, you really have got me thinking about a lot of things when it comes to ADHD that I, I didn't realize um, and, and didn't know uh, it can be a game changer for so many people. Lisa, what do you have for us for parenting to go? So the bad news is it's hard on everyone if a child has an ADHD diagnosis. The good news is we have really been working on the topic of ADHD as clinicians for a long time. We know a lot. It's a big tent. There are a lot of um, variables within it. But there are great resources online. And I would want people to feel comfortable using those. And if I were starting, I would start with the American Academy of Pediatrics. They have lots of resources about ADHD online and um, very reliable and thought through ones. So what I would say, especially around things like this can feel so tricky and so um, new to the parent who's having the experience of trying to figure it out. And what I often say when I'm caring for a family is like, look, this may be your first kid with ADHD. This is my 30th kid with ADHD. Like, you don't have to do this alone. Thank you, Lisa. Um, again, like, there's so many issues that our kids might not be dealing with directly that understanding and having a better knowledge might make us a little bit more sympathetic and compassionate. Um, but it's just great information. And next week, we're going to talk about harassment. Girls that are harassing boys. In fact, a mother writes in about her son being harassed by girls and asks what she should do. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. 
The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.